Welcome to Do It For The Gram, an Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our communities. So this episode starts our series on subtypes. It's been a long time coming for sure, um, but I'm super excited to talk about subtypes. So before you listen to this episode, you're going to need to understand the instincts and the passion for your number. So if you haven't listened to the episodes before this one on instincts and passion, go ahead and check those out before you check this one out. Because in order to get a better understanding of what's happening in your subtype, you really need to know what's happening in your dominant instinct. And you need to understand what your passion of your number is. And they kind of range throughout your emotional patterns of life. So intro music, let's get it because we're about to get into it. excited to announce my new partnership with BetterHelp. This episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. So I'm super excited uh, about this partnership that me and BetterHelp have um, entered into because in this point where everything that we're doing right now to connect with people is more virtual, it is so important mental health. I think that aligns perfectly with things that we're trying to do, things that I want to do, and um, anybody that I would refer or think that could be potentially beneficial to the audience. And I think BetterHelp is definitely one of them. BetterHelp is basically, it's online counseling or therapy. So you're able to actually get some counseling or therapy uh, depending on what's going on from licensed counselors and therapists around the country. And um, you get to be able to get some of that one-on-one mental checkup that you may need and BetterHelp's able to help you. So just go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it and you'll get a 10% discount for your first month. So what is a subtype? Subtypes, it is a type's passion and their instincts kind of multiply together. And they create this really interesting, very specific type of cocktail. So it's whatever your dominant instinct is combined with your passion. And so you also have a stack. So you have three instincts, which is social, sexual, and self-preservation, and they're all stacked in a certain way, meaning that they're ranked. So whatever the dominant one is, that means it's probably overactive, and whatever the repressed one is, that means it's probably underactive. And so the one in between is probably good. You probably utilize it in the right form, in the right way, in a healthier way, then you can use your dominant and repressed one. So understanding the stack, why is it important to understand the subtypes and your stack? So it's very important to understand it because there's a deeper understanding to you and your Enneagram number when you understand your subtype stack and what your subtypes are. And it gives you clarity around growth for you as well. And so it also helps you to see that your individual growth as a certain number may look a tinge bit different than another person's growth as that number. And also this helps us realize that all numbers don't look the same. All numbers, all people who are eights don't look the same. And the subtype is a big reason for it. Okay. That's a huge reason for it. Some types look like counter, they're what called what we call countertypes. And what that means is that they internally are have the same underpinning issues and struggles and challenges of all of that number. But on the surface, they respond to it differently. They respond in a counter way than the other two subtypes do. So understanding the stack a little bit better, if your dominant instinct is on top and it's this one, there's a message in it. So for instance, if you're self-preservation and it's your dominant one, you have this feeling instinctually that I'm always in danger. There's always fear there. And as a self-pressed person who's dominant in that instinct, it took me a while to realize that. But in so many situations, I literally feel like I am in danger just about all the time, no matter where I go. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm safe in some type of way. 
Then the next one is social. If social is your dominant instinct, then you feel that I am no one without a group and status. So for socially dominant types, it's very important to remember that you are more than a social group or status. But that's the overactive sense in the social instinct. It's overly active. That instinct, if it's dominant, it's overly active. And so you have to be aware of that. If your instinct is dominant in the sexual, it means that I am no one without a significant other. And so it's very important for you to understand who is sexually dominant, that in order to be somebody, it's not just is that you are valuable regardless of who you're with or regardless if you have a significant other with you or not. So you have to be aware of that. Remember, the instinct is overactive if it's your dominant one. You got to be aware of that. So if it's your bottom instinct, aka your repressed one in your stack, for self-preservation, it means my life is not important. So if you have a repressed center that is self-preservation, you have to watch out because that means that you don't treat yourself with the proper self-care. Because somewhere in your instincts, a lot of times unconsciously, you don't believe your life is that important. For social, it is, I don't trust others, groups, causes, the collective, and humanity. So if that's your repressed one, you have to watch out for that because there's a natural inclination not to trust any type of group or big cause or collective or humanity. So you have to watch out because it's underactive. It's not in a healthy place. It's only looking at all oh, these things are really bad. So I'm not going to join them and look at the negative sides of anything that could be collective or group effort. And then if your repressed center is sexual, then I am not interesting or attractive and intimate relationships may not be for me. So for those who have a sexual repressed center, in some type of way, they don't feel that intimate relationships are necessarily for them, possibly, and or they don't feel attractive and they just may not feel interested in it. So that is an issue. If your sexual instinct is repressed, that means that something is going on and it's not active as it should be making sure you engage in intimate one-on-one relationships in a healthy way. Let's go type five. Remember, type five's passion is avarice. What in the world is avarice? Avarice is, for the five, a hoarding of their personal resources, time, information, energy, space, finances, while disengaging with their emotions, which blocks connection a lot of times for fives. Majority of this information comes from Beatrice Chestnut and Urania Pius by the way of Claudia Naranjo. When the passion of avarice entangles with the instinct of self preservation, the avarice merges with um, material security. And the self-preservation five is one that has this avarice for boundaries uh, around themselves. They are the stereotypical five. And this five is very walled up with thick boundaries. And there's only very few people they allow in and they don't let those boundaries down quite easily. All right. And so fives are able to take refuge. The reason they have big boundaries, uh, part of the reason is because they want to be able to have a place to take refuge, um, to recharge, to energize, to be with themselves, to really think and process through different things they have going on in their heads. So they do use that wall and those boundaries to protect themselves um, as a place of refuge. And so this five actually likes to hide and enjoy it as well. So they actually enjoy being hidden. They actually enjoy like not necessarily being seen or even if they're at a place, they don't necessarily want people to know always that they're somewhere, even if they were there. It's okay for them not to be known in certain places and not to be seen, even if they were there. And a lot of times they're okay with that. They actually enjoy that. And so one of the things that's um, important for the self-praise five is they need to know that they can actually create boundaries as well. They are hard-pressed to enter a situation where they feel like they cannot somehow create boundaries in order to protect themselves from situations, from intrusions, from people, and from other different things that could come in and possibly violate their privacy or secrecy that they have. And so this self-pressed five also wants to have everything they need behind their boundaries as well. So remember, when you talk about a person who is self-prezzed, materials is a huge thing. So the self-prezzed five who has thick boundaries inside of their, what's they usually called the castle, they have, they want to have everything they possibly could need to make sure they're taken care of and they don't have to rely on anybody else for, for those things. So 
they usually do stockpile different things that they really need and they're looking for the best deals and thinking ahead and processing how can they get those things so that they don't have to make sure they don't rely on other people and go outside those boundaries in order to achieve them. They usually minimize their needs and wants, as I said before, and it's so that they don't have to count on other people um, for a lot of things. So they minimize a lot of times the things that they need or want so they don't have to rely on other people because sometimes it feels like People can be dangerous, almost intrusion and um, being vulnerable or not even being vulnerable, just being slightly open. Let's be honest, not even vulnerable for a five, but just open makes them feel like the situation could be dangerous. And so they make sure that they limit those things so that it's not too many avenues and ways that you can actually get to this five. And self-press five can actually be the warmest five, though, which is so interesting, right? They have seem to be the thickest boundaries, but they have some of the, there's some of the warmest fives at the exact same time. And it's because we got to remember, um, everything has two or multiple sides to it. The boundaries, they do block connection to a certain extent and keep people out and the five away from people. But at the same time, boundaries, a lot of times create healthy relationships as well and healthy respect. So this allows fives to actually be able to be warm with people when they do um, set their proper boundaries. It's a proper way of being warm, showing care, showing love to people. But just remember that a lot of times this warm and this care that the self-pressed five can give, it usually has a time limit attached to it. It's not going to be just ongoing, ongoing. There's going to be a moment of time. It's like, okay, this is our span of time. We're going to cozy up, have a real good time, be warm. We're going to enjoy each other. But then now it's time for me to retreat into my place, into my things and be by myself alone. That was great. I got to go. So a lot of times that's how suppressed fives can be the warmest. But at the same time, it's a time limit to it. And it's because they have those boundaries set that can create um, healthy respect and healthy relationships. And so these fives also love time limits, kind of said before. They, they love time limits because fives can almost, if they understand um, that there's a time limit or a set amount of time that they're going to be able to stop doing whatever this may be that's extraneous or um, exposing or highly social, if they understand there's a time limit to it, they're more likely to engage with it because now they feel that, okay, I can manage it for this long because I know it's going to be over. So time limits are huge for them. And they really love, on top of that, being by themselves. This five is totally okay. Totally, totally, totally. And all fives to a certain degree, but this five is extremely okay with being by themselves. Matter of fact, they love it. It is, it, it's a place of not necessarily solitude for fives, but it is a place where they can allow their minds to do so many wonderful things. They can really process and focus and go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the things they want to without distraction. And they can like kind of go through all these different things they have. They can approach problems. They can figure out things and they can dissect things. They can pull things apart. And it's really huge for them. So this is one reason why the self-pressed part, the self-pressed dominant five loves to be by themselves is because they do a lot when they're by themselves. Where other types are like bored, like me, like a seven, I get super bored. I can, I've done a lot of work, but nevertheless, like just get really bored and just want to do something. Fives are totally cool a lot of times. They're like, no, I'm good. It's so much. I've gotten so much done. I've thought through so much, quite a bit, quite a bit. And so, um, this also allows them time to recharge. One thing it does for fives is that that time to be with their own thoughts and with their own mind and process through things and even their own emotions sometimes, it allows them to recharge. It gives them, this suppress one has, it gives them energy so that they can engage with people. So their alone time a lot of times brings them that type of energy to recharge. And many fives are introverts, but that's not always the case, as we'll see going through here. But even self-praised fives, most of the time, I would say they are introverts, but not all of them. And But it does help them recharge when they're by themselves as well, because it takes a lot of energy for their nervous system to deal with everything going on there, because their brain is really trying to process it all. It's trying to capture it all. And so it makes a lot of sense when they feel like that. And I've heard some some of the teachers I, I've been to and workshops I've been through that they believe the fives actually have the most sensitive nervous system. And that's why they can get overwhelmed so quickly in different areas of life when things are just too chaotic, too loud, something is because their nervous system is 
super in tune to like trying to observe what's going on and take in all the information. So that's one thing. The next thing is that this five also, like we said, with the healthy boundaries. Now, when they allow people in, they're a whole different person. It is so interesting to when this five knows you and loves you and they let you in, they are super like gregarious. They could go on and on about a topic and a subject and love it and have fun and do all these really cool things when they're talking with this person that they really trust um, or really love. They can just go on expounding and thinking and going deeper and asking questions and, you know, trying to ask things, ask different questions and create space for a person. So they are like that. So all fives are not, you know, some people can see them as aloof, which they can be. But when they're with people they love, especially the self-praised five, you will see a whole different five. You will see a five who will say hi to you. And that is literally it. And you've known that person about 15 years. I promise you, I know a woman like that. Um, we grew up together and I promise you, we may have like had, I don't know, two conversations. She may have said like 30 words to me and I've known her for 10 years, went to church together. It's crazy. But when she's with people she know, love and like just always with, she won't stop talking. So it's, a, it's just a whole different degree of person for sure. And so this five also, like we said, they're very warm to the people they like, but they are and can be very cold to the people that they don't like. And fives can tend to have a category. It's like, okay, I like these people. I don't like those people. And literally, whereas a lot of different types um, maneuver their way and, and trying to give a different face and like adjust themselves a little bit to kind of, you know, seem like everything's okay. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You remember fives already don't like small talk. So it's a dead giveaway when they don't like somebody typically because they can be quite cold and it's not trying to be mean necessarily. They just don't appreciate them. It's like a high version of not appreciating somebody. And so that comes out in a lot of different ways, even when you don't recognize it sometimes in your face, in the way you respond. And so this five definitely has kind of like a warm and cold type thing going on. It's like, if I don't like you because of X, Y, Z, then they're pretty cold, pretty shut off from you. But if they really like you and love you, they are actually very, very warm as well. Have to be aware of that fives as well. Usually fives have a special place to be alone. And if they don't, they probably need one. This is really, um, really helpful. And it's probably a comfortable place, usually self-praise, comfort. But it's a place where they can be alone with their thoughts and they can really rejuvenate and recharge and think through and process. It's just a whole lot going on. So they usually have a special place alone in their home or somewhere that they can be alone by themselves that they can really enjoy. And so they are, um, as kind of mentioned earlier, they're just very worried about being intruded upon. And so sometimes this five can see invitation as intrusion. And it can be tricky for them because people can invite them places, but the ego of the five can be like, they're trying to intrude on my space and my privacy. I'm just going to say no. Instead of maybe seeing it not as an intrusion, but maybe as an invitation just to come and be with. That's definitely a part of it. And this five as well is also uh, the least aggressive of all the fives. Um, because there are fives who bring some intensity. And if you haven't seen the flavor of fives, then you've got some more studying of people and getting to know people because there are different layers and levels to the five. It is so exciting, I would say for sure. So moving on, when we talk about the passion of the five, when we go into the social type, the social dominant five, we're looking at avarice when it, uh, it attaches to the social instinct. And so this person has an avarice for knowledge and learning and higher ideals. That's what this five is about. Okay. So this five works a lot in their field, whatever their field is, it is, they're going to be like heavy in it. They're probably going to have a lot of books about it. They're probably going to know a whole lot about it. They're going to know the people who know a lot about it, who they really, really admire in those areas. So whatever that field is, whatever they choose that field to be, they study it in depth and super duper deep. And so they admire all the experts in their fields, the fields they're in. They really admire those people who are on top of their game, who know what they're talking about, who are walking the talk and producing the content and uh, the resources that make them the expert in that field. And so they also like being the expert themselves. It's Part of the social dominant five um, ego is definitely being like an expert in whatever they're talking about. They really want to be the expert in it. And 
it can be tough. And this is why competency is an issue for all fives, for sure. But especially the social five, if they enter something, they feel like they better know what they're doing and talking about or they will not do it or freak out about it. The social five is huge on making sure that they're like the experts in their field um, and they want to be the expert. And so this five social fives also don't like to be seen as not knowing something. Remember, we talked about competency. They, they really don't. It bothers them to their core to be speaking or just the thought of it to be like, I'm going to get in front of some people, but I don't know all the information and I'm not able to answer the question. It makes them it makes them like kind of, I don't know, trembles the word, but it, it shocks them on the inside. It, it, it's a little painful to think about not being able to really respond in a way that's educated, that they know what they're talking about. So that can be a real tricky issue for fives when it comes to getting themselves out there. And especially for those being entrepreneurs or just pushing yourself in a position that is going to propel you in a way that in your mind you want to be, but it may counter everything inside of you. So that can be tough for fives. And so this five also, they're attached to high ideals, okay? And so values and causes, those things mean a, a whole lot to them. So the higher ideal for the social five is huge and very important to them. And they also, this five also has a fear of meaningless deep down. And this is why this five can um, attach to the higher ideals is because Inside for fives, especially social dominant fives, especially when they're doing their work, there is a thought inside of true is a fear of meaningless in all. And so that this five can attach to higher ideals to try to deal with that um, that's going on inside. And so this five is always searching for higher meaning uh, to convince themselves life is not meaningless. And so um, this five always has uh, maybe a higher perspective of what's going on in life, the social dominant five, a way that we should go, the way that things um, should be much better. So this five always has those things going on. And it's one of the ways that they uh, try to avoid uh, maybe not thinking about life as being meaningless. And so one of the biggest issues and why the social five has the issue with the whole um, life being meaningless thing is because there is this thing with the five that we all know to be true, especially if you're a five here, everything's coming from the head. And so when everything's coming from the head, we're missing life experiences through the body and through the heart a lot of times. And those other two centers of intelligence, our heart and our body, is what we really, really experience life through in ways that our brain cannot process, in ways our brains don't fully understand, but we still get the sense or the emotional feel of life in such a powerful way. And so remember, life is all about, like, the growth is all about the integration of head, heart, and body. And so for the social five, it can be difficult to actually make sure that they're engaging life through experience, through their bodies and their emotions as well. So that's something they have to pay attention to and do work on for sure. And like we said before, the social five is extremely mental and intellectual. Social types of all types are usually more intellectual than the self-praise and the sexual. They just usually are. Intellectualism is how we communicate with masses of groups of people a lot of times, especially in the um, scholarly world and pass information along, politics, all these different things. There's a certain um, way that things are communicated. And the social types usually have they're the best to try to do that when it comes to um, communicating. So this five are already a head type. So they're extremely mental and they're very, very intellectual. So they most likely will know a lot of books, know a lot of philosophy and know a lot of connections with the fields and the experts that most likely it's a definite just about. So this five also has the issue. Every, every, you know, type has their own issue, but this five has the prototype for the spiritual bypasser. That being the sense, because sometimes this five is so connected with trying to only find higher ideals mentally without necessarily engaging it with the body and emotions and the spiritual parts of us necessarily, they can only be engaging it with their head. So that spiritual bypassing is like 
I am thinking of this higher ideal and I'm stuck in my head. And that's the only place where this higher ideal lives. It doesn't live in my necessarily my experience, my emotions, the way that I engage with people. It doesn't do that. It's just all here. And so if I think about it and I like uncover these like deep, rich uh, ideals and amazing, complex things, then I don't have to worry about the rest because I can just proceed to that. But life is not like that. And, and I think as you do more growth and you work through life, you realize that it's not just about the higher ideals, which is fine. Higher ideals are great. Those are things we should be striving for to a certain degree. But there's this integration with our whole body, because if we're not connecting all of those with the higher ideas, then we're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. And we're doing this spiritual bypass thing where we're not actually probably addressing real issues within ourselves that we need to address because we're stuck on these higher ideals and we claim that to be the highest value. So we're missing a whole lot and we're bypassing a lot of stuff we need to work on before we even really, really get to the higher ideals of what we're doing. And I've seen this, I was in a couple of Zoom rooms uh, with some pretty intellectual brothers. Them folks like went to some deep theological schools and stuff and, and like, I don't know all the stuff they be talking about or the people that they name and different things like that. But I find it so fascinating that like when we start talking about these different matters, like a spiritual matter or emotional matter, they approach it with such an intellectual sense that I'm looking at them and people who aren't necessarily like super intellectual to the degree that they are in the room are like, I think you're missing it. You're over intellectualizing it. I don't think that's a word, but you know what I mean? So like that is what the social five can do, can take something that's not completely just bound for mental thinking, but meant for experiencing and try to turn it into a straight mental thing. And so that's where social fives also have to be where. And so fives also, they feel power in learning. So all fives like knowledge and data, but like knowledge is literally power for the social five. Like it is literally power because this five knows how to use it. They know how to use their knowledge in different situations in order to not only win arguments, but to make things happen, to figure out things. They know how to, I don't want to say weaponize um, knowledge, but they know how to use it in a way that makes it very practical and useful um, in conversations to persuade and to help people understand. And then next, avarice, um, they have this, they just have an avarice for knowing things. It's, it's a big deal for them to know things. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does going to work give you instant anxiety? If you say yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you aren't going to quit your job, you should call Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving personal and workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, leadership, and conflict management, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace performance so you can improve your services and bottom line. You can reach Kaizen Careers at kaizencareers.com or 901-334-1644. All right, moving on to the sexual five, the sexual dominant five. And so when the passion of avarice entangles with the sexual, you get someone who's distracted by the higher ideal of relationships. So you got a person who now has this super high ideal of a relationship. And so this can get quite tricky. And this five, is the counter type of the five. And it's the counter type, partly is the counter type because they are actually going towards relationships. They're, they're not necessarily building boundaries and necessarily going to be just by themselves. They're going towards relationships. And I have really good examples in my mind of these different fives. Self-prez five, my mom's a self-prez five to the T. Oh my goodness. Like, walls, castle, protecting herself, like recharging, warm, cool people. That's her. Then you have the social five. My best friend, Corey, he is a social five. And man, like his brain is on fleek. Like he just knows stuff. He knows stuff. And he just always know more and more stuff. I love it. And then the counter type five is the one that will throw you off. I met one of the, the first times I met a counter type five was probably over a year ago. 
And it was at an Enneagram conference. And I looked and this guy was so loud and he was so all over the place. I was like, man, this must be a seven. This dude is crazy in here. And like he hung out with our group. I'm talking about Travis, if he listens to this episode. He was the loudest five I've ever seen in my life. I could not believe he was a five. I was so shocked. But he's a counter type five. And so they don't look typically like the normal five. So this five, they want connections to people. And so remember, they're passionate. Sexual type, the one-to-one is passionate. They're going through life and they are exuding passion and a passion for connection with someone. Okay. So they can, um, they have this interesting thing when they're trying to get these relationships and build them. They can set logical traps to see if someone cares about them. And so there's a guy and he may hear this too at an Enneagram conference. And it was the, he said the weirdest thing at the beginning, freaked everybody out. He introduced himself as an emotional terrorist. Like that is like some of the worst combination of words to put together you ever can. He literally scared one of the students in there who's a four and she reported him. (laughs) Um, But what he came around to say is that he said that because he wanted to see who really cared about him, who would really engage with him after he said something crazy. So it was like a test or a trap to see who's really real almost in a sense for him. And a lot of times sexual dominant fives do that. They set up these um, traps or logical tests or different tests and we're in just to see how people respond to see who really care because most likely y'all probably don't. So that's a manifestation of the type. And so this five is also looking for the perfect partner, okay? Whereas other fives aren't necessarily, like I said, engaging in that sense, looking for the perfect part. And they're thinking about things, they're processing in, they, you know, they're running against their analysis. But this five is looking for the perfect partner, someone that they can share all of their secrets. And the thing about that is that it becomes very hard for them to find a partner to make. This five is actually one of the hardest fives, along with the sexual four as well, to find a mate or partner with. And that's because this five is has idealized what the perfect partner or relationship looks like in their minds. So they've created this. And so now they are trying to look for it out in the world, which we know that things in our minds don't always equate to things in real life. There's this balance and a trade-off as well. And so it's really hard to find this person that they idealize in a sense. On top of that is that they're a five as well. So this five is more open and transparent to people than the others. They're still a five. So they still have avarice and they still protect themselves or keep to themselves more of some of those personal things while still looking for someone to be the perfect mate, which creates a kind of a dichotomy or issue here when we look at it because you're looking for someone who you can be completely open with, but you're not being open with them necessarily. You know, that becomes like a definite issue right there. Also, and along with that, there's this high level and this high expectation, these high standards uh, for openness and trustworthiness. And it's too high. Like I said before, they wanted more from another person so they'll know that they can do it. It just doesn't necessarily work like that unless you end up with, a type, maybe a eight who's done a lot of work or in an interesting place where they're just being completely vulnerable with a five, then you're not going to find a person typically going to be open in that way and meet all your high expectations and standards. So sexual dominant fives, you have to really be aware of that. Also, this five is more emotional. So don't think of most fives. Yeah, they can't look aloof, astute, stoic, away, you know, those type of things. But this one's not so much. Like I said, Travis and these fives are like not the typical five. You you would not, I'm telling you, if you just only think a stereotypical five, you are not going to think this person's a five. I promise you that if you meet that person. The loudest five I've ever met in my life. Just loud. Everywhere we went, loud. Oh my goodness. But that's just one of the things. So they're more emotional. They're more passionate about the things, you know. Um, they may throw caution in the wind and go stand up for a cause or go, you know, those things for a certain people and things. Those fives are really out there. And so they relate to the four quite a bit because they're passionate and they have this um, affinity for um, not only art and patterns, but like this creativeness in themselves. Because you got to remember the the passion 
Usually these types are more passionate, which is usually connected a lot with anger. And anger has a way of expressing itself and it has a way of coming out and creating different things. So this is a lot of times why this five can have a deeper connection to the four and usually has a heavier four wing for sure because they're usually attached to their emotions a little bit more on the surface and they can kind of get those out. And so they do have a romantic streak in them. They do have that. This five is actually quite romantic because think about it. They're thinking about the ideal mate and uh, the high standards and the high ideal relationships. So they want to create that as well. I've heard sexual fives say like some of the most like romantic type of ideas they have for creating this date or something they did with their wife or their husbands, like something like super creative, like that they did. It's like, whoa, that's kind of amazing. You really thought of it, but it's like this real romantic streak in them that you wouldn't, you'd be surprised. They would be chilling and then all of a sudden they can do a salsa with you or something. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? You don't usually. So it's very interesting. This five is quite interesting. And so it's inside of them, but you got to remember there are five. So sometimes they keep it closed off unless they allow you in. Um, But if they allow you in, you'll see that this one has quite a romantic streak to them. And so a lot of times, like I said before, with the connection with the four, their passion or love comes out in some type of um, art or creativity. So this five is a little bit more creative in the way that they uh, engage mediums and canvases in the world. And so they actually produce things that are quite creative as well. And so this five is also known, typically known to have a regular job, but also be an artist on the side. They're known to have that stable like job that's bringing in some income and it also gives them the benefits that they need. But then on the side, they got the artist thing where they do and they really enjoy and, and, and are able to kind of express some of those um, deep emotions that they actually have inside. And so this five, unlike the self-pres five, has a deeper need for intimacy more than the other two fives. Whereas the self-praise and social five want to be left alone a little bit more and they're totally okay with it. It's cool with them. This five wants to be a little bit closer. They want to be more intimate. They want to be one-on-one, you know? So remember the sexual instinct is strong. Um, all the instincts are strong. And this one with the five makes it the counter type, which makes them want to connect more intimately with people on a really deep, deep level. Hi, I'm super excited to tell you about a partnership I just joined in on. As an Enneagram coach, I understand the Enneagram helps in all different aspects of a person's life. A part of that journey can only be helped sometimes by someone outside of themselves, someone in the profession of counseling or therapy. So that's why I partnered with BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is basically a virtual way to contact and be in connection with counselors and therapists around the country. And at this time that we're going through socially being distant and a lot of being trapped in our houses or different things, even though it can be wonderful, A lot of times we may need to express something that's going on or things may be arising inside that we don't understand how to deal with. And so BetterHelp is a wonderful, affordable way to receive therapy and counseling in your home virtually. So if you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's D-O-I-T. So this information will be in the show notes, but this is a way if you do need some help, mental help and working through things, some emotional things, BetterHelp can definitely help. All right. So growth time. So the way out of avarice, which is this deep attachment to their personal things, is called non-attachment. And non-attachment is just making sure that you hold all these things in a healthier space and not so close to you as a way to try to completely guard them and protect yourself or protect something, your information. But it's non-attachment, not being attached to any of those things to provide you um, the comfort, the safety, the value or the worth that you feel you need. It's a non-attachment. Okay, so the ways that you can counteract the self-pres dominant type, which is boundaries. First of all, you got to relax those boundaries and engage your feelings more. And so this is one thing that the self-pres fives have to work with because they are definitely stereotypical. So they're quick to go to their minds and not really process the emotions until way later. So what this five has to do, you got to relax your boundaries and then start to engage your feelings more. And the feeling is that you really have to um, pay attention to is anger and fear. A lot of times 
fives um, don't necessarily recognize how much fear they actually have. Five, six, and sevens are fear types. And fives believe to a certain extent sometimes that if I can logically figure out why I was scared, then I'm no longer scared or fearful of it, which is not true. I wish it worked like that, but it's not. So making sure that self-praise fives definitely recognize their anger and their fear is going to do immense growth for them for not being attached so deeply with the boundaries they have. Next, open up more often. This can be scary for fives, but I'm telling you, we just said, don't give everything away, but just give a little bit more away. You have a lot to offer the world, as I tell in all my episodes with fives. You have so much to offer the world, but nobody will know if you don't tell them or if you're like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not attending that. Nope, you're going to be intruding. You're going to be taking my space. Okay, cool. But you need to open up a little bit more. You have great gifts. You have great knowledge. And you are typically a person really trying to make really good connections and figure out things in life. And so when you're able to actually share those things and open up more, you're going to find really, really good connections with people that you never would have thought you could connect to and actually experience life on a level that's going to be uh, enjoyable. And remember, we said more often, not all the time, not everything you got, not your most vulnerable spaces, but just a little bit more. You got some thick boundaries. Just slow down just a few of them and let people um, know a little bit more about you know, who you are and what you're into. Pay attention to how false beliefs or past patterns create future assumptions that can lead you to missing out. So fives are the past oriented in a sense. So they are, they catch patterns and they remember them. They lock them in their heads, self-praise especially. And it's like, well, that happened last time I did that, so I don't want to do it again because it's probably going to happen again. So here's the issue, especially when it comes to dealing with people. People, you know, they fluctuate, they change, they can grow, they can get worse, all these different things. But nevertheless, the situation is not going to be the same. So this five has a tendency to predict the future based on the past, which is not horrible. Obviously, it helps. But a lot of times that stops them from engaging the situation and maybe even assuming better, not assuming the best necessarily, but just assuming a little better that the situation may come out differently because there's a the human element. People change. And so we have to, this file has to be open and to making sure they pay attention to when either false beliefs of something, like they believe it's just going to happen their way, you know, and or past patterns are keeping them in making assumptions that are not certain. They're just not certain. You cannot be certain because it's the future. So just be aware of that when you're making decisions and going forward and doing things, because a lot of times those sometimes false assumptions or future assumptions that are completely based in the past keep you from experiencing a more richer life and moving forward in situations or engaging in certain relationships and connecting. Next, ways to counteract the social dominant five. So you remember the avarice for this one is definitely knowledge, super attachment to knowledge and higher ideals. So some of the ways to encounter is shift your focus from knowledge to emotions and people more often. Okay, so you've got to make sure you understand that even though your higher ideal is attached to knowledge on somehow some base, you've got to make sure also that you do a you got to focus and make it an intentional shift to make sure you address your emotions and people as well more often. That's going to make you way more impactful and it's going to make you experience life at a higher level for sure. And then don't just relate to the higher ideals you have, but to the human experience as well. The higher ideals are great mentally, but the experiences take that to a whole nother level that it's hard to experience unless you're integrated with your heart and your body. Next, share more of yourself in social settings. So remember, just because this type is social doesn't mean that they are, just because this type is the social dominant one. Socially dominant doesn't mean that they're super social and they're going to talk to people. No, it doesn't mean that. So especially for the five. So what you want to do in social settings, make sure you're sharing more of yourself. And some of those great, long thought out, deep, well thought through um, ideals that you have and just information and knowledge. That's going to help a lot. So 
And, and what I mean by share more of yourself in social settings too, besides just the information and knowledge you have, because that's a lot of times what social fives share, share more of yourself. There's a difference because a five can tell you a whole lot of information and none of it have to do with them. You could talk to a five for 10 years straight, like I said before, and know extremely little about them, but they know a lot about you. So for the social five, make sure you share more of yourself as well as in growth, as in non-attachment to some of those higher ideas and knowledge, that over-attachment to those things you have in life. And then also be cognizant of the social five ego that can undervalue the human experience for their super and high ideals, okay? You have to be careful. And so for the five, knowledge, like I said, social five, the knowledge is power. It feels like power, and it is power for fives, but it's more to life than just that. And so when this five is able to be aware that your ego is undervaluing the human experience, then you can start doing things to counteract it and actually start to engage life and not just think about it but actually experience it at this really deep and rich level, which I'm telling you would make the high ideals even richer for you. Next, ways to counteract sexual dominant fives. So remember, it's the high ideals of a person, which the sexual five is um, has avarice for, okay? So first you want to recognize when you are holding someone to such high expectation and standards in order to avoid being in true intimacy. And so here's, once again, we all have these, these patterns and these traps, like these things that we do. And so for the sexual five, one of the trickiest things about it is that even though they want more intimacy and they want to be close with someone, the ego has somehow stretched ideals, expectations, um, standards so high that it doesn't allow them to connect and become intimate with a person because no one can meet all of those standards, expectations. So you're really going to have to be aware of when that ego is tripping like that. Because if you don't, it's going to be really hard for you to really get in and stay in and develop a relationship. So you're really going to have to watch that. And then also be aware when you are testing people to see if they will love slash like you. So when it comes to this, the sexual five does this like more consciously than the other fives. The other fives can do it too, but the sexual dominant five is known to set these like different type of tests that test people to see if they actually care and love them. You got to remember that these things aren't what people are trying to do to get in relationships necessarily. Like these things don't necessarily make people feel that close to you necessarily. It can actually push people away. So instead of doing that, maybe being more direct in the way that you want to communicate their passion or maybe just constantly working on developing that intimate relationship and seeing in just different markers, can that person go a little bit deeper? And that also means giving a little bit more of yourself and can that person keep that in confidence? And can you trust them? And then if you see not, cool, move on. But a lot of times you give them a piece. You don't just test them with some like outlandish strong test. and like, oh, you didn't love me. You weren't worth it in a way. You weren't going to be open. So I'm moving on. Because you could have missed out on a great opportunity based on some test that you were trying to get them to pass that was really outrageous, to be honest. Then the next way to counter is give yourself permission to feel and deal with fear when it comes up in relationships and sharing emotions. And so, and this is one of the things that's super hard for sexual five sometimes because you got to remember you have your ego, part of your ego is wanting so bad to hold back information, avarice. It's wanting to protect yourself, create boundaries, keep people out to try to keep um, safe, to keep feeling good, to reach all these different things, to make yourself feel so, quote unquote, um, comfortable in a way or feel okay or worthy. But at the same time, the instinct of the sexual dominant person wants to attach and wants to be so intimate with somebody. So you have these like different polar positions inside of you going on, especially when the instinct of the sexual instinct, dominant instinct person is triggered. So you have these juxtaposition things going on inside of you, which can be very 
difficult and it can be a scary place, which people may not understand. It's a scary place for part of you wanting to connect deeply, but another part of you wanting to run away and get away from somebody and like be by yourself. And so there's this, this interesting space in there. And so what sexual fires have to do is be willing to go into the fear, be willing to deal with that emotion so they can actually get to a point where they can share their emotions and be okay with it in a relationship, be able to truly say how they really feel and not just from a place of anger, but a place of fear, because there's a lot of fear in being at four or five to be able to give themselves vulnerably to someone. And so there is a lot in there. So the sexual five is going to have to make sure that they give themselves permission to feel that fear. And when it arises, don't necessarily run from it, shut it down, or try to intellectualize it. Actually, really say, I'm going to try to deal with this fear and figure out what in the world is going on and why I feel like I do. So that's all I have for this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you're a five and you're not sure of your type, you're kind of wondering what in the world is my, my dominant instinct, then I do Enneagram interviews um, for subtypes as well. We can figure out type and subtype. And what we'll do is that when we figure it out, it'll help you kind of make sense of all this that's going on. Because remember, your dominant center says some, your dominant instinct says something about you and your repressed instinct says something about you and some you need to work on as well. And so we can look over those and you can find that information at kaizencareers.com. You can just put in a consulting, um, you can say book now and consulting and I'll get the request after a while. I send you an email, we can get that started. And so that's one way, kaizencareers.com. And you also, you can hit me up on IG, uh, on the IG page for sure. And then the next thing is I do have a career course now. I have created a career clarity course through my organization, through my business, Kaizen Careers. And it's all about finding clarity in what you want to do in your life and in the future. And so this is a course that it involves the Enneagram, but it's more attached and aligned to your strengths, skills, uh, needs, uh, and other parts of you, like your passions and different stuff. And so all those things are in their course um, to kind of help people find clarity in their career and where they want to go. Also, podcasting is not free for podcasters, but it is free for listeners. If you'd like to support the show, I have a Patreon account. You can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram uh, and support the show from $1 up to whatever. And on the Patreon account, I'm working on more and more of creating more content and connecting more closely. And you also get discounts on anything I'm going to have coming out. And I do have coming out. They all get discounts or first dibs on um, those in the Patreon community for sure. And you can find that at patreon.com forward slash do it for the grain. Also, don't forget to subscribe if you listen all the way to this episode, which this may be the longer episode of the subtypes, because I think the five is just, you know, complex and interesting ways that people don't understand. And I just want to get a little bit of that information out to you. And uh, please subscribe. If you made it this far, you should subscribe. And then also I have a YouTube channel. I'm growing. I'm a super noob on YouTube, but I really appreciate if you can subscribe. That's another way you can help support the podcast. That's it for this episode. So if you're a five and you're feeling like avarice is creeping up on you and you're about to go in lockdown mode, I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to really process it through your body. And then I want you to make the best decision and do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.